Good morning, everybody. Very nice to have you on the Strategy Cafe. Uh, this morning's session is going to be on magic numbers. Uh, welcome. Uh, thank you for joining us. Cafe is our monthly leadership magazine. And um, we try and pick out interesting topics and interview successful leaders for their tips. Um, and our hope is that you kind of find that useful and inspirational in your own leadership challenges. As you know, um, Alembic helps organizations discover and gain alignment around their options for improvement and change. And then we have a wide range of support options for delivery, uh, including board support, M&A, strategic and leadership training and coaching amongst other things. And the cafe is a nice way to connect with you all and share our thinking. Uh, so on that, you know, um, really pleased to hear from you, uh, hear your suggestions for subjects. Um, kind of quite keen to hear from you on what you like, what you don't like, uh, any suggestions for improvements. Um, and um, for people who you think would be really inspirational for the audience to listen to. So this is kind of just a leadership um, um, hot tub and really kind of want to get those tips and inspiration out there. So if you know someone who you think would be great for me to interview and has some really interesting things to say, then let me know and um, I'll connect and then we can see if we can persuade them to come up and take the risk of being up here with me. Don't forget you can post questions during the show. Um, today it's my shout and so I'm keen to hear from you and I'll um, pick up your questions. Um, if you look at the control panel that you've got, there's a questions area, just post them in there. Um, hopefully you can see it sort of um, about halfway down, there's a little drop down where it says questions. Just stick a question in there. Anything that occurs to you as you're sort of um, going through the show and uh, we'll um, try and field it. So today for a change, you've just got me lucky people. Um, and for a special treat, uh, this is a Pecha Kucha. Uh, what that means is the main presentation is going to be 20 slides, and each slide is only allowed to last for 20 seconds. It's a method of presenting which sort of overwhelms you with ideas. It's pretty tricky to deliver, so um, please um, give me all your sympathy uh, throughout, and um, it's gonna be on a timer, so when I click the next slide, uh, it's gonna just click over, and I'm gonna have to try and keep pace with it all. There's a lot in there. There's 20 slides. There's more than 20 ideas. So you'll have to pay attention. I hope you enjoy it. The purpose of the session is to share some of the systemic, the sort of systemic root causes for problems uh, that you'll have in your business. These ones are the ones that come from the math, but obviously the roots were everywhere. Uh, so it's not the whole story. It's just the sort of numbersy bit. So I'm going to do the Pecha Kucha uh, and then elaborate on five of the points a little and take questions. Um, be ready with your questions. Um, hopefully everybody's ready. So um, wish me luck and, and off we go. Maths is a universal language describing everything we see right back to the first seconds of the Big Bang. It has a peculiar facility to describe the world around us, such that some would say the world is made from mathematics, that we are not its inventors, uh, instead we are its discoverers. And math is everywhere. From the shape of the internet and the ellipse of an orbit, it counts the geometry of the leaves on a rose. And from those delicate petals, the fragrant particles of scent in the air as well. Every living thing ticks along to a mathematical heartbeat. And of course, your business is no different. 
And just as the beauty of a rose is shaped by its natural mass, so is the performance of your people, your teams, your departments, your business. So perhaps you should know those critical numbers and like a universal clockmaker, then you can set the pace. But unlike a timepiece, natural mathematics is not symmetrical. Um, materials are connected by phase shifts with tipping points between solid, liquid and gas, and studies show that team performance has phase shifts too. Like natural particles, we work in a system and each of us is affected by the ab ability and momentum of those around us. 10,000 hours is the first phase shift of hard-won mastery. B.F. Skinner showed us that we do what gives us pleasure and avoid what gives us pain. So get people into roles that they love the most, and if they work for at least 1,000 hours a year on that, in 10 years they will be a maestro with irreplaceable skill. There are only six degrees of separation. One is me, two my team, three our company, four the group, five the market, and six the world. Everyone in your company is connected by just two steps from everybody else. So if you find those most energized about a change and then help them to lead it, a few key people can create change in a big group. Studies show that the minimum number of people you need in any team to start to generate impact is resilient uh, and resilience is 12. For example, in a team of five, losing one person has a big impact, which is halved at 10. Small teams have a chance, better chance of survival if they grow beyond 12. Weirdly, premium performance of maybe 10 to 15% turns up when teams are between 15 and 35 people. So that's a key point. They have to be well-led, they have to work closely together, and then they flow like water. They can be flexible, resilient, and difficult to resist. They learn from each other, and they have pace and fun, uh, and they can be really effective. But our social brain cannot cope with too many relationships, and by 148, team output falls. As teams grow, they start to suffer division and they break down into smaller groups. So lead on that. Rather than letting it happen to you, don't try to sustain or turn around performance. The maths is going to be against you. We're all subject to the law of large numbers. Bigger frequencies reduce randomness. This is the difference between a gambler and a casino. The casino has lots of bets and all the gamblers and a guaranteed outcome. The gambler has too few bets to play to avoid randomness. It may be thrilling to gamble, but it's bad business. And 95% of businesses never make it through their first five years because of that. This is because they don't achieve that critical mass, which is the minimum number of people, clients, and transactions to get the law of large numbers working for them. And they're destroyed by randomness, random losses before they're big enough to be able to cope with that. There are only three, uh, really four ways for your business to generate value. Uh, you, you attract the right number of the right customers more quickly. They stay loyal to you for longer. They buy or pay you more. And your business model and your special magic make this happen faster. If you can generate all four over time, your business will become very valuable. And the math secret is to work on the three customer factors all at once. Then the math will help you out. A 10% increase in customers' price and loyalty is worth 33.1%, not 30%. So work on all three at once and you get a boost from the maths. Being in a team brings out good feelings. Passion, commitment, and determination, these lead to discipline and drive. And good energy, like good customer service, is the fuel of business life. Great service has great energy to it, and it brings in the referrals. It's uh, contagious, if you like. 
And viral growth, contagious growth, can be expressed as an R number or a rate. The magic number for growth is two. If your teams and services have the enthusiasm to convert and retain just two referrals per customer, growth will be exponential. In fact, anything above a one is growth. It's just a matter of pace. The team and your products bound with innovation and that special magic will keep customers with you. And customer retention is a key goal for everyone. It has an impact on both profit and value. 5% or lower of client losses is kind of the natural loss rate. Anyway, what that means is your business can count on 20 years of loyalty. And a customer that stays with you for 20 years will change and grow. And to stay relevant to the relationship, you'll have to. These customers are golden, and this equation gives the lifetime value. Do you know it for your business? If lifetime value is above acquisition cost, just press the sales accelerator because you have a profitable model. There's plenty of time for our children. Life expectancy has doubled in the last century to 81 years. And by 2080, it's expected to reach 100, but I think it's going to be sooner. In underdeveloped areas, it's still only 50, which is shocking and sad, but also your points to opportunities ahead. To finish, I've given you a brief overview about the numbers. Uh, there's more depth, obviously, to every one of those slides. Douglas Adams once said, the answer to life, the universe, and everything is 42. Perhaps the question should have been, is it made by the maths? Some say yes, some say no. Let's apply some of that to business and, and see how we go. So, so there you go. Those are some slides showing you some of the magic numbers. Um, hope you found that interesting, quite a lot in there. So what I wanted to do is just sort of pick up on a few things, keeping an eye out for your questions. So please fire them into the questions area. <coughs> so um, first one, critical mass. I just think this is really fascinating. You look around, everybody seems to think that critical mass is vital. You kind of all know what it means naturally. So, you know, the sun has got critical mass. It's, it's self-sustaining, it's big, it's got uh, that capacity to, uh, to, um, for all the different parts to, to run and energize itself. So it keeps going by itself. And a fire is like that in the grate, isn't it? You know, when you're trying to get it going at the start, it's hard work and it doesn't quite light and you have to work on that. But there's a sort of tipping point where suddenly everything comes together and if there's enough fuel and enough oxygen and enough energy, everything will kind of blast off together and the whole thing will then last and you just need to keep adding a little bit of fuel from time to time. So business kind of needs to get to that point. And you look around, everyone says critical mass, critical mass, critical mass, but there's no definition anywhere. So what are the numbers? And um, I've tried to give you some ideas in the slides earlier. So, so for teams, there's quite a lot of studies on this. And really for human beings, the key thing to bear in mind is that we have social capacities which are limited and so those critical numbers of 15 to 35 are broadly what the studies show uh, the optimum social group size for human beings getting more than that and it's starting to become socially overwhelming above 50 and certainly above 150 um, is a real difficulty and below 12 that's really a math point it's just about having too few Customers, I mean, that can be uh, set by context. So some, sometimes businesses have very big customers that buy a lot, but a few of them, sometimes businesses have many, many customers. So really it's either customers or it's orders, depending on what type of business you are, but you want enough in that flow of orders coming through for there to be an average, a good reliable average to the business. 
so that kind of keys into demand and maybe the numbers there are going to be you know more than 500 more than a thousand so starting to break into numbers which are statistically more um, reliable and viable um, Survivability is the next one. So um, we talked a little bit about that in the slides today and um, looking at concentration issues. Concentration uh, just means that you've got too much um, reliance on one or two things. So that could be too much reliance on a small team, too much reliance on one customer, too much reliance on a few leaders, too much reliance on a few products and services. So we're all really around that crit crit critical kind of 12 kind of plus number. Um, and in, in a business, when you're thinking about the value of the business, that concentration um, brings with it risk. So more concentration means more risk, less concentration, more diversity means less risk. And that has a direct impact on share valuation. So the value of your business. From a buyer's point of view, anything that takes away that risk, that concentration, will mean the business is more survivable, more sustainable, and will bring down their perceived risk about you, your organization, and your markets. So the key thing here is to look out for those fulcrum points. You know, Where are the real pivot points for uh, driving activity through operations and with customers, et cetera? And do you have a backup plan? Do you have a failover for that? Can you, if you're a small business or it's a relatively small team and you can't afford to build too much redundancy in, inside, can you find a way of supporting that with outsourcing, with partnerships, with substitutions? So you think about it strategically that way and just try and make sure that for every single pinch point you've got, you have some way of creating redundancy and a failover for you. So the key thing here is just note your pinch points. Uh, they're obviously important for you operationally. You quite often won't notice them because uh, unless it's the problem, um, you can be blind to them. So therefore, do the analysis and identify them. They could become a problem suddenly and unexpectedly. Um, and most people's risk analysis is not thorough enough. So we would make you do a much more thorough, much more detailed risk analysis than just sort of picking the top five usual suspects. And this is one of the things that we would particularly go after and look at. And it can be in process. It can be really anywhere in the business. <clears throat> I quite like that experience point, that maestro point about the 10,000 hours thing. It's um, obviously from Malcolm Gladwell's book. Um, I think it's Outliers where he talks about this. He talks about a number of different um, sort of superstar performers, you know, people like um, world-class tennis players. And really this point is around a combination of the hours and the intensity, the passion. Um, so if you think about that sort of top class sports person doing 10,000 hours, they're going to easily do that in, in, in less than 10 years. That's kind of going to be five years or fewer because of the amount of work they do on that. And, and the 10,000 hours plus the passion plus the repetitive doing um, carves your brain. It carves the neurome. It carves the neurons inside your head to hone in on the detail of that performance such that they say that tennis players can actually psychologically slow down the ball. They see it in slow motion where we can't even see it. Um, and that's kind of the point. And um, Malcolm Gladwell makes that point. So I think the same is true for some of the senior um, capabilities you need in the business. So expertise, quality, leadership, customer service, sales, 
all those sort of critical functions you really need someone in each spot leading that 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 has this obviously you need a range of skills and they need the soft as well as the hard skills but this is really a point about the hard skills that 10,000 hours and that passion bringing real high level of capability so kind of look out for that and train for it and just think about that analogy with sports because uh, I think it's a good one I don't think we train enough and I think that in business it's a bit lazy um, depending on the individual depending on the leader and uh, really we should just train a lot harder and do a lot more breakdown and improvement around the training by by doing the uh, discussion and improvement on what happened today on that key uh, that key task so we talked about team size uh, on one of the earlier slides um, the key point here I just wanted to talk to you about sort of the phase shifts the limits so um, the 148 there that's um, uh, from anthropology and I think the guy is Dunbar and he talks about the social capacity of the human brain as a primate brain comparing it with other primate species it's kind of quite interesting I think the number is 148.7 which is far too precise a number to be realistic but broadly you're talking about 150 people right um, so the key thing there is that that's that's too many and very very hard for anyone for example in personally leading a company very hard to lead 150 people person you can't do that so you've got to share leadership and probably 50 is really the pivot point um, and maybe we need to go back down another level below that and say maybe 15 12 15 so maybe by force of personality by charisma most of us can have that social relationship with maybe 12 or 15 people at work enough to lead well in that group and once you start moving beyond that it just is too is too much and you don't have enough time to devote to the relationship so that's really the key point and that 50 there is the phase shift point um it's getting overwhelming at that point it's definitely overwhelming by 150 and I think the key thing here is that 15 to 35 spot. There seems to be a bit of a sweet spot there. And the studies show that productivity just has a bit of a, a curve up. And you can get 10 to 20% productivity if you keep your team in that sweet spot. So that, for me, is kind of really interesting and something to look for. Um, and then, again, it's to do with that sort of social brain. So just here, interesting points here. I just want to make the point about the sort of small numbers, large numbers. Um, maybe that's a difficult one to sort of grab with your, with your mind. Um, but um, uh, I talked about it in a very early slide. We talked about the gambler and the casino. And business can be like this. Business feels like gambling sometimes. Um, and you do see people sort of um, overweighting uh, their response to particular outcomes. So sales is down this month, or we lost that sale, or you handled that particular item badly. Um, and really, you know, you can't count those items and give them so much meaning because on the left hand side there, they're those items, they're individual results. And if you look at where I've dotted those, you've got some, you know, towards the downside, you've got some towards the upside, you've got a couple in the middle. And they don't, they don't really relate to each other at this point. They're, they're random and they're just distributed across that curve. It takes a sequence of events for the long-term average to come out. And I think the point to bear in mind here is that that long-term average is the thing that has meaning. And so that, when you're looking for that trend, for that long-term trend, that's what has meaning, rather than the individual result, which could easily be just random. Not always, but definitely worth paying attention to the fact that it could be. 
And it's not until you get large numbers that the statistical means or the trends start to emerge. So sometimes you can't even read this month's sales. You might have enough numbers for it to be statistically meaningful once you've got to a quarter, for example. It might mean that you need to have a thousand items in the population before there's enough definition in there for a reliable mean or trend to emerge. And that's the thing you want to look at. Where are we going? It's to look at that statistically meaningful trend and not overanalyze and over-emotionalize the random individual result. Hopefully that kind of makes sense of that. I just want to sort of wrap up this uh, session and then maybe um, there are some questions out there. Um, and look at um, profit and growth and multiples. So again, for me, this is a key point um, from the presentation today is people think that different things are important in business. And of course, it's all important. It's all a system. It's all got a lot together. It's all got to work. But fundamentally, businesses are built around serving demand. And so you've got to think about customers. You've got to think about markets. And really what drives value is having sustainable and growing and profitable relationships with customers. And you get that by making customers happy. And so when you're looking at the results, you're kind of looking at the scoreboard, but the ball that's ping-ponging back between the bats is customer service, and that's the thing you've got to really pay attention to. And if you get that right, if your special magic, your system, your process, your leadership, all of that operational beauty, that uh, organizational capability, if that's creating a vibrancy with your customers, that's what makes them want to pay a premium. That's what makes them want to send you referrals. That's what makes them want to stay with you longer. So from a mathematical point of view, what that means is you generate an income stream which is more reliable. So the vibrancy of your customer service generates a vibrant income stream which you can rely on. And that's really fundamentally all you need to know. Everything else about the business is context for creating that. And that's the focus that you have to have. Who do we serve? How do we make them happy? And then what is it that we do to sustain that and make that better and better by contrast with the competition? And the reason that drives valuation is because if you can rely on future income streams, then the risk is lower. And so from an investor's point of view, that shareholding is interesting. And if it's interesting and exciting, that means that people are emotionally engaged with buying those shares for the longer term return that they might yield. And sentiment amongst investors being high is what drives up value. It means that there is demand on two sides of the business. You've got demand on the one side from customers who love what you do, and you've got demand on the other side of the business from investments who love what you do too. And the flow of cash between the two is what business is fundamentally all about from creating valuable experiences to customers to sustaining the livelihoods of long-term investors in the marketplace and everybody in between having meaning and purpose while they do that and enjoying that process. Just take that back to that team point. If your team are completely loving what they do, then of course, when they meet your customers, your customers are going to experience that. If your team are not loving what they do, when they go and meet your customers, there's a good chance they're going to whinge and that's the impression that's going to be created with uh, people that they, they meet. And so that's going to take down that sentiment and drive down valuation. So there is a complete connection between the customer cycle and the driving of share value.
and investor interest in business. Hopefully I've made that point clearly enough. So just to summarize all of that and then interested if there are any questions uh, out there from anybody. Um, so problems are first experienced, uh, they're really symptoms. Um, you normally experience them as symptoms, so they come up into the business life and then when you're tackling a problem, it's normally a sy symptom of something deeper, that root cause. That root cause could be anything, those roots are everywhere, my first point, but some of them are caused by maths. And sometimes that actually is the key driver. So just thinking about that, what's the one thing uh, that you're gonna act on from today's workshop? So if you like today's webinar, come to the past events page at www.alembicstrategy.com, events, past events. You can subscribe to us on YouTube now. We've put all of the Strategy Cafe videos up there. Some highlights there from David Dunaway, from Nick Easter. There's many more. This one's going to be up there shortly. And we've also got some clips from the last Leaders Forum. We took uh, an interview with Nick Easter and turned it into sort of five key clips on team resilience. They're two minutes long, so they're very bite-sized, really consumable. A little bit of chit-chat between me and him, and they're up. So go have a look. They're amazing, really useful. Um, look out for March 22nd. Uh, not totally convinced on this uh, topic yet. This is a topic we're hoping to get. I think we've got an incredible story of survival and turnaround. So we're calling it Mission Impossible, Leadership to Make It Possible. Um, we'll send around the subscription for that shortly. So um, if you're interested, you can uh, come and join in next time. And don't forget, we've now got our easing coming out. It's kind of quite... Um, short and sweet and easy to consume and uh, so come on the website and you'll find you can subscribe to that and sharing videos and sharing insights and just sort of generalizing the the message i've got a few questions here so i'm just going to pick them up so um Yeah, uh, so Kay's making, uh, Kay Chaplin, hello Kay, uh, thank you very much for that. So really interesting, got me thinking about our team structures, particularly about the difference between leadership and line management. I think that's really important to know. And um, on the last one, we talked about that. So for me, um, you know, line management is a very important linchpin role. Uh, typically with line management, you are coordinating relationships um, with a group of people on behalf of uh, the leadership of the organization and you have a leadership uh, requirement in that line management job, but it's a pivotal role uh, It's a role around coordinating and helping the team below you perform It's a role that handles the accountabilities for that team and has to has to take them has to hold them and So it's that it's that complex mix of management and leadership at that level and it is going to be a pinch point And so you do need redundancy in that spot um, and it's really important, I think, to think about that and to make sure that you have that in place. Hopefully that's a good answer. Um, and a good question here from um, Daniela. You're talking about the value of people who stay longer in their roles, e.g. 20 years, and the value they bring to an organization. Is this something that we should encourage? Most people nowadays are changing jobs much more quickly. Um, Daniela, I think it's a great point. I mean, I uh, was born into a world where this was changing. The generation before me, born in the 60s and coming into work in the mid to late 80s, had had jobs for life. And really that uh, sort of 15 year phase of the mid 70s to the late 80s was a phase where that seemed to disappear. 
Um, and it's changed and changed and changed and people have different attitudes about their careers and organizations and corporates these days. So for me, it's about meaning and purpose. I think it's fine for people to stay for 20 years, um, provided they're loving it. Um, the um, most important thing is to keep their purpose, their sense of purpose, lively. And um, that's going to be down to the individual. So it's going to be context specific. Uh, and it's also going to be related to the company. And it does imply a degree of change and growth is needed to keep your curiosity and your interest spiked. Um, there's a playoff between my level of experience and the level of challenge that I'm having right now. And if the level of challenge is too low, then I'm going to get bored and want to go. If the level of challenge is too high, I'm going to start to panic and feel out of my depth. But in the mean, in the mean between those two, there's a sort of a sweet spot where I'm loving it. And that's the trick, I think. And the business has to do that in order to generate long-term capability and keep people challenged so that from a neuronal point of view, they're carving that learning through emotional experiences day in, day out. You don't want them to be bored and you don't want them to be panicked. You want them to be in that optimal zone of challenged but loving it. Um, and uh, I think therefore it's a good thing, but I have no problem personally with sort of portfolio careers because I think that's another way of helping people find meaning and purpose. If they can do two or three days with you and they're really good at that and they really knuckle down and deliver on their two or three days, then why not? If there's other two days um, before their weekend, give them time for something else in their life and that makes them exciting and vibrant, then that's going to help. So I have no problem with that. Um, so great. Thank you very much for your questions. I hope you all really enjoyed it. And I look forward to seeing you uh, next time on our next uh, Strategy Cafe, 22nd of March. Uh, we'll send everything round to you. And I hope you have a great day, everybody. Thanks for now.